0: Welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson, CEO at NextGen Agri-International, where we help livestock managers to get the best out of their stock. I want to take this opportunity to thank our friends at MSD Animal Health and Allflex for sponsoring Head Shepherd again this season, and I'm also excited to introduce our mates at Heinegger as brand new sponsors of the show. MSD and Orflex, or perhaps better known as Cooper's Animal Health in Australia, offer one of New Zealand and Australia's largest livestock product portfolios with a comprehensive suite of animal health and management products connected through identification, traceability and monitoring solutions. Like us, they see how the wealth and breadth of information born out of this podcast can help them and their farming clients achieve their mission of the science of healthier animals. Heinegger will need a little introduction to our audience, a market leader and one-stop shop for wool harvesting and animal fibre removal, together with an expanding range of agricultural products and inputs. The Heinegger name is synonymous with quality, reliability and precision. The Heinegger team have a deep understanding of livestock agriculture, backed by Swiss engineering and a family business dedicated to manufacturing the best. It's fantastic to have both of these sponsors supporting us and bringing Head shepherd to you each week. And now it's time to get on with this week's episode. Welcome back to Head Shepherd. This week we've got Dr. Cara Brosnahan. How are you, Cara?
1: Great, thank you.
0: You're the Principal Advisor in Animal Health Research there at Beef and Lamb. That's a fairly impressive sounding title. Excellent. And so today we're going to be talking about Sheep poo, which will drop the drop the tone a little bit. But I thought we'd start off with your background and how you ended up where you are, which will surprise some to hear that you've got a PhD in in salmon of all things and a bit of a life in marine before you saw the light and moved to move back to sheep.
1: Yeah, that's right. I do have a background in aquatic animal diseases mainly, which does seem strange that I've jumped into the terrestrial world. Um. So yeah, I did my undergrad at Victoria Uni and then I did my PhD through uh, the veterinary school at Mass University, as you say, on salmon, looking at um, diseases that have affected them and why they were having such high mortalities, particularly in the Marlborough Sounds. And then, yes, I jumped over into the land, into the sheep and beef space. Um, Yeah, this opportunity came up and it was just... You know, using the scientific skills that I have, transitioning them into this realm is not so outrageous (laughs) when you think about it in terms of the principles of science and disease um, and animal health in general. I was born and raised on a sheep and beef farm in the South Canterbury though, so I guess that's always been a part of my life. So it's great to be back.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I figured you must have been down this way by... I saw St. Margaret somewhere on your, on your schooling. <laughs> so it must have been figured you were down this way. Uh, if we get on to facial eczema, which is, I used to say was specific to New Zealand, but it's around other places, but obviously a major problem in particularly the North Island and, and the more humid areas. Uh, I guess just a bit of background for those out there who haven't, or aren't aware of the sort of damage that it can do or the sort of history of the disease and what it costs us.
1: Yeah, so facial eczema is a little bit of a misnomer because it is a primarily a disease of the liver in ruminants and camelids. So ones that eat pasture, particularly ryegrass, it's caused by a fungi that lives in the pasture and creates a toxin called sporidesmin. And that toxin is actually what affects the liver. And then the damage to the liver causes the animal essentially not to be able to break down the grass as well as it should which causes the clinical sign and that photosensitivity of um, that facial eczema so peeling and sunburn of those lighter areas of the skin. It's, so that's the clinical sign of the disease but also the subclinical signs are really important to notice as well because There is research done that for every clinical case, there could be up to 10 subclinical cases. And that's things like liver damage that can actually be quite significant, but you can't really tell. And that will be causing an impact on production, but it also impacts on fertility and fecundity. Um, So it is quite a broad-reaching disease, I guess. And the other subclinical impact in dairy cattle is obviously a drop in milk production. So if you're not really monitoring and looking for it, you could those signs could go unnoticed on certain properties.
0: Excellent. I guess the the challenge or the issue is uh, that obviously as climates change, then it'll move with yeah, as as things get warmer than it's yeah, already been evidence in the south, and I guess we'll continue to march further south, which puts a lot of sheep that are very susceptible to the disease under under threat as well. So it's um, timely that we get some new tools and new information on the disease.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. A- yeah, because it is a fungus, as you say, that's going to be very um, important as to if the environment changes, then it can grow in different places that it hasn't before potentially. So it could have been sitting in the pasture all over New Zealand, but only creating the toxic spores at certain times. And as you say, those naive stock that haven't seen that before, that's going to be a real concern for those farmers because they're going to see quite significant disease in their animals potentially. And yep, traditionally, uh, North Island disease, but definitely top of the South Island and even anecdotal reports down to as far as South Canterbury. Um, So I guess that's part of the reason why we want to look and see what's actually going on um, and how how widespread it is and what that risk is to farmers in New Zealand.
0: Excellent. Yeah, well, the reason we're chatting is because of the profile of the Great Poo Collection. The So, obviously, a project underway, still looking for farms to submit samples, so looking to get, a, obviously, a very wide geographical spread across both islands of New Zealand to get a, a good handle on where, where we're seeing spores turn up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, we want farms that have experienced FE and also those that have never experienced because we want to know exactly where those limits are of it occurring or not. Another, um, So yeah, the prevalence and distribution is kind of the main goal of the study but we also want to understand some of those risk factors or variables that could be on certain properties that could be making facial eczema worse on those properties and can we use that for more accurately predicting it in the future And also to use the information for potential management solutions as well. So we are after, it's quite a large number, 350 farms across New Zealand to collect poo for us um, every couple of weeks. And sheep poo we're doing at the moment. Every couple of weeks sending it into the laboratory, which will provide all of the sampling equipment and return courier tickets And then you'll get, every farm will get their results back. So they get a really good profile of what's happening for them over the season. And we are going to do this for three years. Um, And the reason for doing it over that number of years is because if you're a farmer and you experience FE, you'll know the variability between seasons. So we want to understand that as well. We can't just do it on one single year and expect that we'll know the answers. Um, So yeah, it's for those that are... At risk of facial eczema, it's really valuable information for you and for those that don't think they are, it's also really good to understand for the industry how we're tracking and, you know, maybe something will show up that you weren't expecting and you'll be better prepared for this disease.
0: Yeah, excellent. So I guess, I don't know, risk factors of pasture type and hill versus flat, all those things will be part of what you find out or, or study further.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot we do know, and especially for those farmers that have been experiencing FE for years. They're very um, adept, I guess, of knowing you know, when it's facial eczema weather <laughs> um, and what paddocks are a risk to them. But for people who haven't dealt with it, that's quite a new thing for them. And if we can help provide that support to understand how to farm and manage with it, that will be um, a goal of this project. But also, Are there other factors that we haven't considered that could be used as potential management tools or solutions? Also, with the poo we're collecting, we are storing it. So, we're going to have a library of poo from all around (laughs) New Zealand. And the idea of that is so that we can um, go back to those samples and actually develop more accurate tests. For example, identifying the toxic spores and where they are so if we could actually identify what is toxic and where then that could help farmers as well so that's just an example of what we could do with those with that library
0: <laughs> the world's least visited library <laughs> <laughs> i
1: don't know <laughs> may have some draw cards <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, there's so many kiwi jokes we could run with which we won't see the, um, the how's the uptake have we got all the farms signed up or are we still looking for more?
1: no we're about halfway there um, we got more farms in the North Island which is expected obviously because it is probably higher on their priority list so we really um, are keen to get those South Island farmers signed up we as a little incentive there will be um, 25 farms selected around New Zealand with a focus more on the South Island to also test the poo samples for parasites um, so obviously parasites is another big um, animal health priority for our farmers so how can we use these samples to for cross project use I guess so if you are selected then you'll get um, fecal egg count and larval species identification on your samples every month.
0: Excellent so yeah it would be uh, a good project to get involved with is there going to be a way that if I'm living in I don't know outside of Omaru, can I jump on a website and see my closest farm and what the spore, whether they've found spores or not, is that going to be?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to have a live dashboard with all of the results, not at a farm level, obviously. Um, so if you are involved in the study or your personal information is, remains confidential, but at a regional level, we'll have the number of farms that are being tested and what their um, spore counts have shown. So if we'll put that up every couple of weeks when we get the results.
0: Excellent. Obviously, one of the... One of the things that's of interest to us is is selecting animals that are less susceptible to the, to the, the disease, and that's been a a I guess a priority for the industry for a, a while now. But there is uh, Beefland; we've got some work underway, or funding some work underway, to come up with a different test or a less invasive test.
1: Yeah, that's right. For the last um, couple of years, we've been looking at that with Axel Heiser from Ag Research, who's leading that project for us. Um, We are looking at certain biomarkers within the blood to see if they show a difference between those tolerant animals versus susceptible. So far, we've got... um, A few biomarkers that are looking promising and the next stage will be a bit more analysis before we try and move the test to something that a commercial laboratory could use. So although it's looking really promising, I still can't say that we've definitely got something for sure. But, I mean, as you say, it's a really important tool that is needed for the industry,
0: yeah. Excellent. So we have had like measurement of GGT levels. Are these additional biomarkers that So this will be like a – natural challenge and then you test animals or is there some is that how yes
1: so the test how the test would work is you'd collect your uh, blood sample from your animal send it to the laboratory and then that blood sample would be exposed to sporidesmin, and then that sample would be tested for the particular biomarker so it is essentially the same principles as the current test but removing it from the animal and doing it in the laboratory
0: sounds a lot more fun sending your blood to do it rather than
1: yeah, so we are looking at. Um, so, something about timeframes for that piece of work. We should know by the end of the year if we've got something that we can at least trial um, for farmers to trial.
0: Excellent. Yeah. So, again, for those who are outside New Zealand, wondering what we're talking about, but yeah, there's been particularly some groups in the north and some individual breeders have made massive leaps forward in their in the tolerance of their animals to. To facial eczema or sport and and um, yeah, I guess any any tools that allow us to widen that widen that work, or or even speed that work up, is is going to aid aid the industry a lot. And like everything, I'm a pretty passionate believer that genetics can solve all problems, and and it's just another one that another disease that um, that is under genetic control. Or animals display differences in their tolerance, and so again, we can we can breed them to. To handle this 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 challenge, which is, I think, pretty exciting long term, because really other treatments or, or fixes for for facial eczema are there's there's tools out there, but they're often pretty difficult, and well, you need to be have your timing right, and obviously with the rising costs on farm, an animal that doesn't get it in the first place is a, is a good option.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I think that's a good point you raise is that there is no cure for this disease it's only preventative measures so that um you know knowing where you're at and what your spore counts are doing ahead of time is essential for any current uh management solutions to actually work
0: yeah like you say the the clinical signs are are obvious but it's the subclinical damage you're doing year in year out or on the shoulders of a really intense challenge that uh, that damage to the liver makes it yeah obviously makes an animal much less effective and We've seen it in Australia with other, other toxins that where you do liver damage and it might be two or three years until you, they're under a bit of pressure and then they start falling down on you from, from a previous exposure to heliotrope or whatever. So it's, yeah, there's long term consequences. So an animal that doesn't, doesn't suffer that damage in the first place is, is going to be a great one to have. And yeah, hats off to all those dedicated breeders who've, who've done the hard yard so far, but it'd be great to to help them along a bit and get them a new test or a new, a new method of, of testing.
1: Yeah, and also to create other tools to go alongside genetics, I guess, because I agree genetics is a great option, but used in conjunction with other tools is the most effective, yeah.
0: Yeah, someone always has to bring me back to reality that we, there's more than just genetics, but yeah, <laughs> anyway. I keep trying. No, that's uh, yeah, 100. <laughs> we need we need management and genetic solutions combined to for that win. A quick interruption here to remind you of Head Shepherd Premium and our consulting services at NextGen Agri International. If you love this podcast and want to hear more of them, visit the thehub.nextgenagri.com and sign up for Head Shepherd Premium and get an extra podcast each week. If you're listening to this and thinking you really do want to maximise the genetic gain of your livestock and feel more confident around the decisions you're making on farm. Then send me an email at mark at nextinagri.com and we'll get in touch and see see where that takes us. Uh, if we go back to some of those samples uh, you're going to be doing a bit of worm testing on. Drench resistance is obviously a massive issue, well globally, but it seems in the last few years in New Zealand we've hit somewhat of a wall with uh, with triple drench resistance sort of kicking around and with capsules off the market, we've now got a lot of farmers sort of hoping or looking for looking for different ways to handle their their internal parasite problems beef and lamb got a bit of work underway in that area
1: yeah definitely um so internal parasites along with facial eczema are always the top two animal health challenges that are top of mind for our farmers when we ask them so internal parasites are definitely a big portfolio of our work um We've got a few things underway in that space um, and working closely with Jenny Dunsky from Wormwise as well because a lot of um, what we need to do is in the extension adoption space as well as that more long-term vision of what other tools do we need in the toolbox when drenches are failing. Uh, So one thing we've got um, happening is a... Pilot group of Wairarapa farmers. Um, It's like a discussion group advancing a bit more on Wormwise workshops and Wormwise principles, just to really get into the nuts and bolts of how um, this group of farmers are dealing with their drench resistance problems and how they're changing farm systems, and also incorporating a bit of that, um, you know, actual knowledge about worm biology if they you know just incorporating everything I guess the science and the practicalities and the reason we're doing the pilot group was to evaluate how well it's actually working for the group are they actually making changes um, because they're in the group how well are they learning and so far it's been going for a year and it's very positive positive. Um, and the group is you know After a few meetings, you get more um, comfortable with each other and being more open and discussing these things. So, because it is showing real value for the group, we are looking at, you know, can we roll these out further around the country Um, because a lot of other programs have obviously shown that, you know, these small working groups or discussion groups Are really valuable and especially with such a complex topic like parasites and drench resistance there are so many options that you could choose for your farm but actually having that um, you know building your knowledge and having that confidence to try some of these things is you know that can be a barrier sometimes so that's a really exciting project we've got going on. Um, We've also got a group together from different parts of the sector, different representatives, and obviously including farmers to develop a research program for what does it look like, where do we need to go with the research, especially in light of drench resistance. So we're working, um, we had a large workshop at the beginning of the year, which was really high level, you know, what are the areas that we need to focus on, what? Do we actually want out of this? What does success look like? And then we had a smaller uh, working group work together. It was a couple of weeks ago and um, flesh out some of those key themes and ideas of what we might need in there. So we're working through, you know, collating all of those Post it notes and (laughs) boards. You can imagine how much information came out of that day. It was quite exhausting. And so that's one thing. And then the other side of that is also reaching out to global counterparts to see if we can actually join together to try and tackle some of these issues because drench resistance and parasites is a global issue. It's not just New Zealand. So, how can we actually work together? and really make our funds and resources go further than just if we were working in a silo in New Zealand. So it's pretty exciting, but it is all very much at the beginning stages,
0: but yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, definitely there's, yeah, obviously the sheep industry, while we, we in it, think it's probably pretty big, but globally it, uh, it's a pimple on the cat and dog, like a lot of the farmers are good, a lot of the inf- information all coming out of uh, companion pets, really, and so the, if we can band together with other other sheep interested or other livestock interested people, that obviously it would be a much better spend of research dollars. So that's great to hear, and looking forward to seeing where that where that can go. If we get back on to on the FE and the, and the Great poo Collection, how do people get in? Who, who's best to get in touch with to to for farmers to sign up to that?
1: So if you go to the Beef and Lamb website you should see a banner saying, we need your sheep poo. <laughs> Hopefully that's the first thing you see. And then you can clip, click on find out more. And there's a link to um, a form which is basically an expression of interest. So there's no, you don't, you're not locked in at that stage. You're just saying, yeah, I might be wanting to be involved. And then we'll get back to you with um, the other information that we require. So you can make sure that you do want to commit to providing samples to us. And then if that all goes well, because there is, you know, a consent form to be filled in, all of that um, admin stuff, if that is all good, then we'll send out sampling kits to the interested farmers. Um, I should say, I don't think I said before, but there will be a an information form that you'll need to fill out at the start of the season and the end of the season. And that is really the information we need to combine with those um lab test results to fully analyse those risk factors. So that's where we're getting that information Yeah, to the analysis with the spore counts so that we can really understand what are those potential other risk factors apart from the ones we know like temperature and humidity and aspect. Is there anything else we need to be looking for? And I guess that's why it's really important to have those farms that are not exposed to FE so that we can see the difference between the farms that do have FE and don't have FE, what are those differences and how can we actually look into those a bit further and potentially leverage them for management solutions.
0: Excellent. So we're talking just pushing a mob into the corner and picking up the warm ones. Is that how many samples per collection time?
1: Yep. So there'll be 10 individual samples per collection. And if you have a system that allows you to move them into the corner Gently and leave them for five minutes or so, so they can poo, and you can get fresh ones. Then that's great. If you have a more extensive system, then um, we'll put out a video as well of what what kind of poo we're wanting, um, and you can walk around the paddock and grab that poo because we realise that it's not going to be easy for everyone to be able to move animals into the corner of a paddock. So we will be putting out a video of how to do it. Ginny Dodanski, again, has done that for us. So <laughs> that is great. Um, we'll also need you to measure the pasture. So we'll be sending out a sword stick if you don't have one already, just again so that we can understand how um, how far down, down the animals are grazing and again, putting that into the analysis.
0: Excellent. Well, yeah, we would definitely recommend everyone jump on board there and get involved. Obviously we all love being consumers of research, but we need farmers to actually uh, some farmers to to actually get involved so that we've got that great information to to tell people all about in, in future years. So yeah, anyone in the South Island who hasn't already signed up but doesn't mind the concept of walking around on a Sunday picking up sheep poo and rather than mushrooms, it'll be
1: That sounds pretty lovely, doesn't
0: it? It does. That's, yeah, probably not when it's snowing, but anyway, that's, that's
1: no really true. Good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Awesome, thanks very much, Carol. Well, great, to, great to have you on and great to, great to hear more about those, those projects and really important projects for sheep farming in, in New Zealand and we'll have wider applications. So, yeah, thanks for, thanks for your time and look forward to seeing where it all ends up.
1: Brilliant, thanks for having me.
0: Cheers. Thanks again to our mates at Heinegger who are proud world leaders in the manufacturing and supply professional sheep shearing and clipping equipment. They understand that their customers rely on the quality and performance of their products each and every day. Also, thanks to our friends at MSD Animal Health and Orflex. They offer an extensive livestock product portfolio focused on animal health and management, all backed up by exceptional service. Both of these companies are wonderful supporters of the Australian and New Zealand livestock industries, and we thank them for sponsoring the Headshipper podcast.